Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Calm, being calm. Calm is defined as uh, an adjective, meaning that you're not showing or feeling really any nervousness or anger or, or any kind of strong emotion. For example, uh, it might some a saying like something like she had to keep him calm at all costs or in terms of weather. What does being calm in weather mean? That there's no wind, there's no storms. Uh, also, uh, it might be something in terms of conflict where they say calm is the absence of conflict or the absence of, of conf- confrontation. But, you know, how do you stay calm? How do you stay calm in an environment that is not calm? If you're in a boat in waters that are choppy, how do you stay level and unchoppy? You don't. Sometimes you have to just go with the waves, don't you? And let's face it. We know we need calmness in this world. And to be honest with you, maybe that's why some of you are here today. That just for maybe 30 minutes or so, that you can hear God's word proclaimed and, and have your soul uh, soothed by God's word. Because it's not going to be my words. And as, as pretty as that song was, what's going to calm your nerves is a dose of the Holy Spirit. And a dose of His word. And so I've really, over the past couple of of weeks, especially since coronavirus hit, I am normally what they call a, an expository preacher, meaning that I'll just take a text and I'll start running with it. Kind of like on Wednesday night, we're going through the book of Colossians on Wednesday, just verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But I haven't done this in a long time, but really Sunday mornings have become more topical. And I have noticed that there are three main Points that God has led me to every week. The first one is, you and I need to remember that God is loving and in control. Amen? Okay. God is loving and in control. God is loving and He is still in control. No matter what the numbers say, no matter what the polls say, no matter what special interest groups say, God is not dead. God is alive and God is in control. You think it's bad now. You just wait until he withdraws his hand of protection. So God is loving and in control. And the second thing, Jesus is all sufficient. We're seeing that as we go through Colossians, that the church of Colossae had been so sidetracked with so many other things. Folks, we got to get back to the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ is why we're here. The life of Jesus Christ is why we are here. You are sitting here in a state of being saved if you are a believer because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we need to make sure that we we own that that great privilege, that great honor and that great gift that he has given us. And then the third thing is, is that God allows chaos. And that's probably one of the harder things to admit. But as we've gone through all of these things, it's it's hard to believe that we have been in in this corona epidemic since March. And it's, it's you see the numbers, they're getting They're getting higher again, and now we have all of our social unrest that's in our world. But folks, those of you that have some mileage on you, is this really anything new? 
We've had conflicts, maybe not to this scale. We've had sicknesses, maybe not to this scale. But everything that happens in this world, how do you tell someone when something bad happens that, you know, everybody wants to know why does bad things happen to good people? And it is because God allows chaos. Why is that? God allows sin and confusion to run rampant on this earth. To remind us of our need for Him. If you are sitting here waiting for everything to get to a state of calm without God in your life and without Jesus Christ, then you are extremely misguided. We live in a fallen world to show us that we need Jesus. We live in a fallen world so that we can tell people they need Jesus. We live in a fallen world so people can see when everything is falling to the ground that we can remain calm and that we can remain steadfast and faithful because we know that our faith is not in a political party, it's not in a doctor, it's not in anything but God Himself. Now, we trust doctors, and we try to trust our government, and we try to do the things they say and be good citizens, but at the end of the day, God is in control, and God has allowed chaos to run rampant. If you don't believe me, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but... I'm sorry that I may have lit the the red off your lollipop. But as a a matter of fact, if you read the book of Revelation, you will see that it gets much worse. You will see that uh, how in the world can this apply to us today? Well, right at this moment, how can we use this? I don't know about you guys, but if I've ever told my wife or asked my wife to calm down, how does that work? Not too good. And if I were just to tell you, just pray more and get calm, that's hard to do. It's hard to just say, take two calm pills and, and call me in the morning. Because, again, when we try to tell people to stay calm, and even sometimes when we try to make ourselves be calm... We get even more out of source because we're trying to to get calm and we can't. So, do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, just sometimes it's hard to rest, is it not? Notice in Matthew 24, verses 4 through 14, Jesus is speaking. And he says, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic. You see, things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go against, or nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only a first of the birth pains of more to come. Folks, we are living in a world that is showing birth pains that prove the fact that this is not our ultimate home and that God has got something better for us. And if we expect this world to be fixed, it is broken and it will not be fixed until Jesus Christ comes back and God restores the new heaven, the new earth, the new Eden to where we could be with him. And as crazy as that sounds, if you go to verse 9, it says, Then you will be arrested 
persecuted and killed. You say, well, preacher, I hadn't been arrested and persecuted. Yeah, I might have my feelings hurt, but I guarantee you overseas people are being persecuted and killed and martyred because they have faith in Jesus Christ. He says, you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. My friend, if you have hate in your heart, you are turning away from God. It says in verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. It's like we're reading a newspaper. He says in verse 13, but the one who endures, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and the end will come. So what do we see from this? The first thing I want you to see is that expecting no adversity or persecution is the wrong expectation. If you're driving down an interstate in South Carolina, you can bet your bottom dollar that some portion of that will be torn up. You can bet that at some portion in some of these small roads, you might hit a pothole that will pull the whole bottom of your car out. And to expect anything less than that is, is ludicrous. And the thing is, is that when bad things happen in this world, we need to understand that if we think that we're all going to be able to sit in a circle and sing Kumbaya and nothing's going to happen to our loved ones or us, we've got the wrong expectations because this world is not supposed to work. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, uh, the disciples noticed that all of the nice buildings that were around the temple. And Jesus basically said, one day, guys, every one of these buildings are going to be on the ground. I am amazed when I walk through New York City and I see the skyscrapers and I see the Freedom Tower rebuilt and I see all of these architectural, beautiful buildings. And knowing that Jesus says one day all of that will be on the ground. These beautiful stained glass windows one day will be on the ground. These pews will be on the ground. These bodies will be in the ground. Because that is the type of world that we live in. Every earthly thing, let me say this again, every earthly thing that we treasure will be demolished one day. Everything that we treasure that is earthly will be destroyed one day. And now look, this is not to depress you. He was like, man, preacher, you're really being a downer on a, during a time that's, that's bad anyway. But this is not to depress believers, but to motivate you in the midst of trials. To motivate you to hang on. To motivate you to love a little more. To motivate you to trust God a little more. To motivate you to be vocal about what Jesus has done in your life. And be motivated to tell these people that are not calm, that don't understand what's going on, how you can have a sane and, well, fairly sane and and good outlook even in the midst of chaos. It's because of your faith in Christ. I mean, think about it. The very disciples that Jesus just told this to would eventually fulfill these words by dying as martyrs for their faith in Him. 
They all died for what they believed. Are you willing to die for what you believe? Am I willing to die for what I believe? We'll say yes in church. But we may say another thing when we're out in the streets. But even though the days will grow harder, we are to stay calm. Be obedient to God and love him as his people. So how do we do that? I'm going to share with you a verse. I've shared it. Plenty of times as I've preached, and this is just going to be another one, but again, it brings calm to me, and I hope that it can do the same thing to you. But Exodus 14, 14 is actually what I call my life verse. How many of y'all have a life verse? Do you know what a life verse is? A life verse, and it can change over time, but a life verse is where you say, look, that verse is going to help me in my life. That verse is what I'm going to cling to when I'm not having a good day. That verse is going to give me hope. And if you don't have a life verse, find one. That word that I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against God. That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you don't know what the next step is, do you have scripture in your heart and in your mind to show you? Let me show you the benefit of having a live verse, at least for me. We see that staying calm begins with trusting God in fearful moments. Staying calm begins with trusting God in fearful moments. We are are picking up the story of the Israelites. They have just exited out of Egypt. They were enslaved. And it says in verse 10, of Exodus 14, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and what did it say? They panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, when I'm driving down the interstate and I see a police car do a U-turn and get behind me, I know what that feeling is. Donna's saying, you know, what, I, what speed I've been going and we're praying it is not me and luckily they keep on passing. But you talk about Oh, you know, how do you look forward and look at the rearview mirror at the same time? But this is so much bigger than this. Here we have the Israelites' oppressors are gaining on them. And they see Pharaoh and his army just a-coming. And then, so they panicked. And what's the first thing they do? They whined. They whined. What does it say? Verse 11, they cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, who was leading them, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Wasn't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to live as a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That is a huge verse. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. That would be like saying, somebody saying, I'd rather be addicted to drugs than know the freedom in Christ. I would rather be addicted to alcohol or be in sinful relationships and live in the high life. I would rather do that knowing that that leads to hell as opposed to taking a risk in God using me. Verse 13 says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. 
And then verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Now, when I memorized this verse, it was in the NIV. It said, I, the Lord, will fight for you. You need only to be still. So when someone comes to me and says, I, I'm, I'm freaking out here, preacher. What, what do I need to do? And I tell them, look, well, the Bible says here, you need to stay calm and watch the Lord work. That doesn't go over well with people, but I'm telling you, I've learned in my life that we need to stay calm in our rough moments. Because at this point in Exodus, God caused Pharaoh to free the Israelites from the slavery in Egypt. God was leading them out of Egypt. And not only was he leading them, he didn't say just, hey, y'all take a trip. He says, look, all you've got to do is follow me. Follow a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So not only does he free them, he leads them. And when the word reached Pharaoh that they had fled Egypt, it says he and his officials changed their minds. And assembled an army and left with the purpose of bringing them back. When the Israelites saw their captors pursuing them, they panicked. Folks, it's nothing. And somebody, if you sat down with me, I would say, you know what? If you're panicking over something that's going on, I would say, well, in the world's eyes, you would have a right to feel that way. But just because you have the right to feel that way doesn't mean you should feel that way. Why were the Israelites panicking? Because their oppressors were on their backside and they were about ready to bring them back. So what do you do when you're being chased by something? What do you do when something grab holds of your life and it won't let go? Well, you, what do you do? You stay calm and watch the Lord fight for you. I, the Lord, will fight for you. Just stay calm. He was saying to the Israelites, remember my faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. Because the Israelites let their fears get the best of them. Even when God had led them to this point. Think about what they'd already seen already. They had already seen the plagues. They had already seen the Passover, which was the final straw. Of Egypt just saying, look, y'all get out of here. <clears throat> and so now, they're upset. Here's something I want to show you, a little point maybe that will help illustrate this. Fear tells you that God has forsaken you. Faith tells you that God is with you. Even when you don't see or feel it. Fear tells you that God has forgotten you. Faith tells you that God is with you, even when you don't see or feel it. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as soon as you sit down with me or I hear you talking to somebody and you say, well, I feel this is what I need to do, I know that you're about to hit a ditch. Because faith is not feelings. I mean, they're icing on the cake, but we don't live our life by feelings. We live our life by the facts of the Word of God and what God says we should And should not do. And it's not to keep us from life. It's to give us life. So we need to remember God's faithfulness. If you're having a problem staying calm today, remember God's faithfulness to you in the past. Also, remember the fact that God's character is unchanging. God's character is unchanging. 
The Israelites actually thought that God had set them up to be slaughtered? That was not godly thinking. Look, I've had instances in my life to where I thought God was out to get me. And his whole joy was to watch me twist under his thumb. That was wrong theology. That was a lie from the pit of hell because that is not God's character. And remember God's emancipation, folks. God has set you free from sin. Do not see slavery as freedom. The Israelites were saying, look, Moses, look, instead of us coming out to this wilderness, <coughs> we've got this sea in front of us. Just let us go back. At least we had three meals a day. Yes, we were getting beaten. Yes, our loved ones were being killed. Yes, we were exhausted. But we got our meals and everything was fine. And that's the thing. So many people, you wonder why so many people can't shake their addictions. They can't shake their sin. And they don't want to sell out and give their life to God. It's because they're having too much fun and they're so enslaved in the sin that they're already doing. They would rather be in prison than live in freedom. Because in prison, there is no risk. Being free, there is a lot of risk. Panic flooded the Israelites. And they started thinking that enslavement was better than being free. That is the lie of sin. Hear me now, please. Whether you are 18 or 80 or below that or above that, sin lies to you. Sin lies to you and makes you think that you're free when you're really imprisoned. It tells you that you're better off with it than if you flee from it. As a believer, folks, resist the pull to go back to the sin you were delivered from. You will never, if, if you are a Christian and you go back to the sin you once did, I promise you, you will not get the same enjoyment over it. I promise you it will not fulfill you because you have felt the fulfillment of Christ. So you get on your knees, you say, God, I'm sorry, and you start to live and look for the things that he wants. But here's the thing, too. Don't watch your problems. Watch the Lord. Don't watch your problems, watch the Lord. It says in verse 13, what? Don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. Folks, stay calm. It can be facilitated, how? By focusing on your problems only makes you more worried. Focusing on problems keep you from calm. So what we're seeing here is he's saying, don't look at what's chasing you, looking at God. So what, here's the thing. If you choose to look at God rather than that thing that is causing you stress, you get a proper perspective. The bigger your God is, the smaller your problems become. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, God is bigger than anything. If your God and your faith is not big enough, it's not his problem. He is there. I don't know about you, but if if I were to get in my car and I wanted to take a ride through the country and just have a good sunroof Sunday afternoon, I can't do that unless I start the car, hit the gas, and put it in gear. Sometimes we need to put our faith in gear. Also, we see that calm comes when you watch God work. Notice it said, verse 14, the Lord himself will fight for you, just stay calm. You need only to be still. You may not be chased by an army, 
but you could feel trapped today, my friend. Torn between God and something else. But Exodus 14, 14 teaches us to stay calm and watch God work. So as we wrap up our time for today, I want us to look at the last part of this passage. Verses 15 through 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? God says, Moses, what's the deal? Yes, God can use tough love, too. He says, tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Folks, they had chariots. They had wagons. They had all kinds of things they were carrying their whole life in. And if it would have been muddy, they would have gotten stuck. But they were on dry land. He says in verse 17, And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites, and my great glory will be displayed. When you approach your Red Sea, when you approach your Red Sea, Raise your hands and give God glory. That's I told you it's my life verse and it's been my life verse for years. Because I have red seas that get in front of my life. You got red seas? You ever seen a red sea in your life? Maybe not the literal red sea. But you got something in front of you. You can't go around. You can't get across. And you can't go back because something's on your backside. What do you do? You raise your hands and watch the Red Sea split. Not by your power, but by God's power. When you approach the Red Sea, raise your hands and give glory to God. When you approach your Red Sea, walk when God makes a way. Yes, I said stay calm. I didn't say get lazy. Those Israelites, what do they have to do? They had to look. At the wall of water on both sides. And they had to stay calm. But they had to walk. And then the third thing. Trust that God will always work for your good. Even when it doesn't make sense at the time. No matter how crazy this world gets. And no matter how many red seas are put in front of us. And staring us at the face. We must remember to stay calm and watch God work. Because here's the thing. If you read on in the story, the Red Sea experience of them walking on dry land was their deliverance from that problem, right? Because all of them walked across the Red Sea. Am I right? Did I read the Bible right? Okay, yeah, you can nod. That's fine. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to go read this story. Because as soon as the heel of the last Israelite got off of the Red Sea, off of that dry land, whoosh, Pharaoh and his army were overtaken by the Red Sea. My friend, because of God, they were delivered and Egypt was judged. And you had nothing to do but to stay calm and walk. You say, well, what about this person is doing so-and-so? God's got it. 
If He's going to make deliverance for you, He's going to make judgment for those that are following you. So stay calm by trusting God to provide. The way God made for the Israelites would be the same way Pharaoh caught his demise. Let me just tell you this. God's got you. God has got you in his hand. Don't forget that. No matter what you have gone through, no matter what you're going through, or no matter what you are going to face in the future, God has got you. And he is a big God. So stay calm and trust him. And stay calm and tell others about him. Amen? Find you a life verse. If you want to use mine, I'll share. Exodus fourteen fourteen, in whatever translation you want to remember it in. But find something that is going to give you peace in the midst of this crazy world we're living in right now. God, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Lord, it is my prayer that if there is someone here today that is overtaken by something or that is being pursued by something, that God, this message will remind them. The answer is not in this world because this world is not made to sustain forever. It is spinning out of control. But yet it's spinning in your hands. Nothing touches us that you don't allow. So, Lord, may you use these experiences and these Red Sea experiences to encourage our folks and for them to tell others about Jesus and how they can stay calm in the midst of this storm. There's one here today that wants to know for sure that they have that power of Red Sea splitting into dry ground that comes only from your hand, God, that begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if someone is unsure about that, may they talk with me or anyone here and get that right before they leave this place. But thank you, God, for this morning. And thank you, God, for this worship. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.